Good afternoon. It will be afternoon before you get out here today. I have a confession. Um, a few other people here, like Jerry Gutierrez and if uh, Ken and if Jim Richter were here. Sometimes as pastors, preachers, you come to the pulpit just knowing God has really spoken through you and ready, you know, you're ready to preach. You're ready to let him have it. Um, and sometimes, you know, you come up here and it's like, I'm just not 100% sure. I just don't, you know, it's not that I don't, haven't studied the passage and, and I'm, I'm ready to preach. I've got my notes, you know, five pages, 20, whatever. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you just realize it's got to be something the Spirit does that you don't do. And that's the way it always is, as Joe, I forgot Joe Moore here, knows. Sometimes you come with maybe self-confidence, but, you know, confidence in the Lord, and sometimes you don't. Well, that's where I am today. I know it's the Lord's work, but I need you to pray that the Lord makes it his today. So pray with me, please. Lord, uh, it's, it's your word. It's the truth of your word. It's the power of your word. It's the, it's the fact that your word has been given to us, that we can understand it by the power of the, the working of your spirit that I pray will happen here right now. Apart from my notes, Lord, lead me by your spirit to say what you want, that the truth of our inheritance would become so real and present in our minds and everyday life that it would affect the very way we think about our life now and the life to come. Make it so, Lord, because I can't, you must. And I pray this because Christ is King and Lord that we can worship him more fully. Amen. Amen. Our text, as has been all of May, is uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. As I have said, it's one of those passages I go to when I'm just kind of at a wit's end or wondering what is the Lord doing, I'm kind of wondering why, Lord. I go to this passage because it reminds me not of who I am so much as what the Lord is doing, of the great treasure I have in Christ and what he is going to do and is doing. Because that's what's the most important, is the promises that God has given to us of what he is and what he is doing. And that's what this passage tells us. Ephesians chapter 1 Verses 15 through 23. It's a prayer, actually, of Paul, as you see, that the, that the believers would come to understand these truths in a way that it would shake their foundation of what they're depending upon. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling or the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all of rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So four points, each Sunday a different point. The first, back to the first Sunday in May, we looked at the very first prayer, and that is that we would understand the Spirit, the remarkable revealing Spirit, because it's that Spirit that knows our situation and reveals to us how God is using it for our spiritual good, even whether this good situation is good or the worst you could think of, how God is using it for our spiritual good and increasing my or our personal understanding of who God is and how I can trust him. That's the revealing spirit. Second, we looked at the remarkable, reliable hope last week. Hope is, means a reliable and sure confidence. That's what hope means in the scriptures. A reliable and sure confidence that I can have in every situation because I know who is ruling the world and the heavens. I know his love for me is so great that everything he does is going to be good for me no matter what the situation is because that's what Paul prays that we would have that type of hope, that type of reliable and sure confidence in what God is doing. And then today, a remarkable rich inheritance and the next week, a remarkable redeeming power. But today, a remarkable, rich inheritance. I would ask for a show of hands, but I won't do that. How many of y'all, just think about it, how many of you have ever received an inheritance? Becky and I have when uh, her parents died. You know, it was, it was a nice inheritance. But, you know, inheritances are nice because what can they do? They can help pay off a loan, maybe, that you have. They can... Uh, allow you to buy something maybe that you're wanting to buy, maybe take a vacation, or at least maybe you can go out for a nice meal because of that $50 you got, you know, whatever it is. Whatever the inheritance, it's nice because it allows you maybe to do something you wouldn't have done before. What about our inheritance in God that Paul is praying here? What is, what, how does that encourage me? as I look at this passage. How, how should it encourage you? Because it tells us that the world is nothing compared to what we receive now and in the future in Christ. Nothing we have on this earth is nothing. It's nothing. It will be burned up. It will go away. But the inheritance we have in Christ is rich. It's rich beyond anything we can think. And that's what gives me encouragement because I know that the things I have now, I may get frustrated. Our old little blue car out there, I went to the uh, mechanic and it's got noises coming out everywhere and 
I said, what's the problem? He goes, well, your motor mounts are bad and every one of your shocks and your suspension system are bad. Really, how much does that cost? About $5,000. I said, it's not worth it. You know, that car has a wreck, it's gonna die. I don't even have collision insurance on it because it's not worth it. You know, so it's a frustrating situation to have a car you know is not really gonna make it. It's all right, it's nothing compared to the inheritance I have in Christ. So how do we receive an inheritance? What happens? What has to happen for something for you to receive an inheritance? Someone has to die, right? Someone has to die. Now, it doesn't mean that you always get all the inheritance. If, it's, if, a, if a parent dies and leaves a minor a lot of money, what happens to the money? Often it will not be given to the child. It will go into the care of somebody else, right? Into some, some type of fund that the child will get when they uh, become 18 or whatever age it says. We don't always, just because you have an inheritance doesn't mean you always get it. Sometimes it's delayed. Well, obviously, we have an inheritance for one reason and one reason only. What is it? Jesus Christ died and he rose again and he lives and reigns in heaven. That is, that's our inheritance. That is the great truth. So a, a sad event, the death of Christ, produces a great blessing, a great benefit, the greatest blessing and benefit we could ever receive because of the death of Christ. As Randy Pope, who's a pastor at Perimeter, actually former pastor, he's retiring, but he's, he wrote a little book called The Answer. It's, um, I've got all these little, pull these out here. He wrote this book called The Answer. It's really good, short and to the point, but he has an expression. This is the expression. We lost it all. Not just Adam's sin, but your sin and my sin. We caused it where we lost it all. The promise, the garden, everything that we were promised, we sinned, we lost it. But then next is he did it all. Christ did everything. He not only lived the perfect life, he only left, not only left heaven and came here and lived that perfect life we couldn't live. Not only did he die on being, to be punished for my sins, not only was he resurrected, but he now lives in heaven. He did it all and is doing it all. So why? So we get it all. We get it all. We lost it all. He did it all. And now we get it all. That is our inheritance. That's the great truth that we need to hold on to. We get it all. We get it all. And so some of it now and some of it in the future. What do we get? As, um, well, let's look. It's right here in Ephesians. Look at the previous verses in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. This, he tells us right here, what it, part of what we get. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us, Wait a minute, what did he just say? This is how you read the scripture sometimes. You skip over it too quickly. What did he say? He chose us before the foundation of the world. He has blessed us with what? 
every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ. And then verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be walk stumbling through the world pitifully demised, despised. No? What? He chose us so that we would be holy and blameless before him. Don't think of yourself as a poor, despised Christian that everybody hates. No, because before God, you are holy and blameless. And then he goes on to say, he predestined us to adoption. One of the, there's one part, how many people in here have been adopted? You know, that's great. You know what? I had a, a good pers- uh, a person down at MTW that I did work some with. She was adopted, and she says, you know, my, I'm doubly blessed. Not only was I adopted by my earthly parents, I was adopted by my heavenly parents. I have a double adoption that you don't understand, Carl. I go, you're right. I don't understand it. I don't understand what it means to be adopted, but in the sense that she did. But what Paul is saying, you've been adopted. That's a great blessing to know that you're part of his family now. Then what does he say going on? Uh, adoption as sons or children through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely, his grace, he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. You know, it's like, you know, how many of y'all like to cook? See, I had to put my hand down. Becky knows I don't like to cook. But when you cook, now, the other day, uh, Rob and Lucy for Mother's Day were at our house, and we were cooking some stuff, and he said, now put some salt on here and put some pepper. He just put it on a lot, a lot more than I would have. But, you know, what he's doing, he's seasoning it. Well, the idea here is that's what God has done with his grace. He showers it down on us like seasoning. He makes it so that we taste good. Or we have a good flavor about us and a good aroma so that others see us, not as who we really are, but in a way that we don't deserve. He showers that grace upon us in a way that makes us appealing to others. So then he says, in him we have redemption through his blood. There's a big statement. We have redemption. Do do sometimes you not feel redeemed and you feel like you're, who am I? I'm not really one of God's people. Here's the truth. We have been redeemed. We've been turned around, away from where we were headed, back to where he is. Redeemed through his blood, the forgiveness of sins or trespasses. You ever have trouble forgiving people? You ever have trouble forgiving? If you say no, I know you lie about other things too. Sure we do. But God has forgiven us. That's part of the blessing. That's part of our inheritance. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. That is the gospel. We didn't understand it, but he's made it known to us in a way that we can understand it. According to the kind intention which he purposed in him, with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, summing up all things in Christ, things in heavens and things on the earth. And then listen to this, verse 11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined 
according to the purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. That's part of our inheritance, is the knowledge of all those facts and what they mean to us personally, how they should affect the very way we think and live. Tim Keller, in his book that uh, the guys are studying, we're about finished with it, um, in Every Good Endeavor, he makes this statement. He says, now listen, only if, now listen, only if Jesus is your treasure are you truly rich. For he is the only currency that cannot be devalued. And only if he is your savior are you truly successful. For status with him is the only status that can't be lost. Status with him is the only status that can't be lost. That's our inheritance. That's what we have. And it ought to affect us. It ought to make a difference in the very way we live. Because the Holy Spirit is working in us to remind us that those riches are ours. So when things aren't going right in the world, we know that those riches are ours and they stay ours. Now, I've struggled a little bit with this sermon to think about some other things that I would say are part of our inheritance, but maybe they're not inheritance, maybe they're results of our inheritance, whichever. But I want you to think about it, because as we get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper today, that, those elements down there are saying one thing to you and to me. One thing is true, is true, is true. Everything that I have said that I have done for you is true. Your inheritance, the hope, the spirit working is true. And you need to remember it and live by it. But what are some, uh, you might uh, I'll say, results, remarkable rich results because of our inheritance? Well, one of them is, well, let me, I have an illustration. This is a, a booklet my mother, who is now 94, will be 94 in August, wrote when she was 70 years old. It's my memories of her growing up years. And uh, my children have seen it, and it's, it's really quite interesting. She's talking about growing up on a, a tenant farmer's, uh, in a tenant, her father was a tenant farmer, and now this is really interesting. Um, my oldest son found this interesting. When they would milk the cows, what would they do with the top of the, the skim milk? What do you think? Throw it to the pigs. What, would you, what, do you, what do you buy at the store? Skim milk. How many of us, what used to be thrown to the pigs is, well, for her, it was just, you know, for now, we say is what we want. It was, it's great. This is a great little treasure that I have of my, my, years, my mother's uh, younger years. Now, why did I bring this out? What's the illustration? What has God given to you and to me to show that he loves us? as his memoirs, you might say? The Bible. This is God's memories, memoirs to you and to me. This is God's reminder of who he is, of how he has lived among his people 
of how he has worked among his people. This is part of our inheritance, is that we have this. That we have it day and night. Now, I'll tell you, I, I sometimes just don't feel like reading the Bible. I just don't feel like it's something that's, that excites me. But you know what? What I'm saying is, Mom, I don't really care about your life. Or I'm saying, God, I don't care about what you've got to say to me when I act that way. Because this is, this is part of our inheritance. The wisdom, the richness, everything that God wants us to know so that we will grow and understand who he is. That's part of our inheritance. And we shouldn't make light of it. We should treasure it as something very special because of what he's done and what he is doing. There's another aspect of his inheritance that I think are important. That is being part of the body of Christ. This fellowship right here. That God has brought us together. Uh, when Randy Neighbors preached here, uh, some of you remember this because you actually answered his question. Uh, his, one of his initial sermon uh, illustrations was about the Lone Ranger. Right? Anybody, anybody remember that? Who was that man? Right? So, what was his point? God has revealed to us who that man really is, and that's Jesus Christ. But we are not Lone Ranger Christians. We can't live alone as Christians and be everything God wants us to be. We need each other. The Holy Spirit emphasizes to us the richness, the treasures of Christ in the body, which is why Sunday school is so important, which is why our growth groups are so important. If you're not part of a growth group, you know what you're saying is, I don't need other believers. Sunday morning is enough, and that's not true. You need other believers in your life because that's what God uses other believers to remind us of the great truths, to build us up, to give us wisdom. It's sort of like when you get married. You know, you chose who you wanted to marry, right? How many of you did not choose? I won't ask that. Most of us chose who we wanted to marry, right? You did not choose your in-laws. And I can tell by the laughter, some of you wish you hadn't chosen in-laws. But, but they come with the package, right? They're part of it. Like it or not, you've got these in-laws. Well, when you join the church, no matter what you think about your other brothers and sisters in Christ, they're part of the family. You know, we are, we are called upon to love them and accept them to bring them in and to love them in a way, to show them love. Why? Because they're part of the inheritance, the body of Christ that he talks about here in the last part of that section of Ephesians 1 that we read. The body of Christ. You're part of the body. It would be like, okay, little finger, I don't like you anymore, goodbye. You know, this arm, I don't like you, get rid. That's, that when, we, when we exclude other members of the body and we don't accept them in and love them, what we're saying is, God, I don't like who you chose. I don't like how you brought people into the church. I was reading a, a little uh, email that a pastor I know wrote. 
He's actually a pastor in New York City. He was reflecting on an article in the New York Times. And this is what the article, part of what the article said. Now listen, everybody that has one of these needs to listen. How many of y'all have uh, smartphones? I should ask, how many of you do not have a smartphone? Because that would be easier. That's right. So a few of you, how many, oh wait, do you have a flip phone? Same thing. All right. Here's, here's the article says. Now listen. Nearly half of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone or left out. And over how many? How many? Half. Almost half of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone or left out. And over a quarter of Americans report they feel that no one, no one really understands them. 25, over 25% of Americans feel no one understands them. And this is the article in the New York Times says, technology has freed us in some ways, but also has shackled us to a touchless human experience in our lives. Touchless human experience. You can like them on Facebook. You can like what you see on Instagram. You can do it on Twitter. You can do it in all those places. But it's a touchless reality. So his point is, so what does it mean for the church? It means relationships. Particularly face-to-face relationships are now more important than ever. Spending time with our families and our loved ones, as well as disconnected co-workers and friends is part of our calling as Christians to be light in this world. Where it would be easier to veg out by turning on Netflix or watching a YouTube videos, that's my problem. We need to be disciplined to reach out, to look people in the eye and to say to, to them, you are known and loved. Because of all the modern technology, People need to know that you care for them. The one, number one need of every person is to be loved and accepted. Loved and accepted is what we all need. Part of our inheritance is God has brought you here in this church and put you in the location you are for one purpose, and that is to represent him and by the way you care for others. Part of our inheritance is we are in the body. One last point. Part of our inheritance is we are now servants, ministers, ambassadors for Christ. That's that's a great privilege you have, that I have. On Saturday morning, uh, when we finish this book, which will be in a couple of weeks, the men, we decided yesterday, this is what the men are going to start to do, and I'm going to send out an email about this. Every week, somebody else, one of the men, is going to lead the Bible study with some passage that they like, something that is you know, important for them. Uh, so every, all during the summer, and it may go further, we're going to have a time where men are leading the Bible study together with other men. Why is that important? Because they can do it. You don't have to be seminary trained. You don't have to go through some course. You've studied God's word. You know God's word. You can lead other men. And even other women, and understanding God's word and how God has used it in your life. It's going to be a great time together as we grow together and learn together to God's word. 
What's the point? God has given us a remarkable rich inheritance in Christ. A remarkable rich inheritance in Christ. He's called us, therefore, to utilize that inheritance and in how we live. As we get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper, just remember, that is a constant reminder of your rich inheritance, of the hope of the Holy Spirit that God has done, for, as God is doing, of what we have in Christ. So when you take of the Lord's Supper, remember, this is my rich inheritance in a physical form to remind me of what God has done for me and what God is doing for me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again that we have this rich inheritance that we can only partially understand and we've only partially received it. We are as children who are waiting to receive the whole. But thank you for that portion of your inheritance that we already have. Thank you that our inheritance is something that God is using even now. We pray that you would make it so that our lives reflect the inheritance we have in Christ. Amen.